This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. Well, from Bitcoin to Dogecoin, cryptocurrency is definitely here to stay, and it's coming to a nonprofit near you. Now, I would venture to say that most of you are probably skeptical about the reliability and long-term sustainability of cryptocurrency. So when I start bringing up this topic, you may be very skeptical and even cynical about this topic. Now, this is part two in my two-part series on cryptocurrency. And if you listened to my last episode, it featured Robbie Heger from Endowment. Now, this episode features another expert in cryptocurrency. His name is Pat Duffy. He's the co-founder of The Giving Block. And in short, The Giving Block is a for-profit company that seeks to help provide all that a nonprofit needs to fundraise Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies in order to support their missions. Now, as I mentioned in my last episode, I would love to get your feedback on this topic. I'd love to find out how many of you are using cryptocurrency currently. Email me, rob at ccofpc.org, R-O-B at ccofpc.org. I'm really interested to find out how many of you are using cryptocurrency, and I'll probably put that on my blog and give an update on uh, who of you are using cryptocurrency because there's certainly a trend upward of more and more people are feeling comfortable of using it. I would like to know if you're using it. Okay, that's enough for the intro. Enjoy today's show. Well, Pat, it's great to have you on the show today. Cryptocurrency, you know, it's all the rage in many ways right now, but there really still remains a lot of skepticism about the long-term sustainability of cryptocurrency and just the uncertainty around it. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding. And definitely when it comes to nonprofits and philanthropy, I've certainly noticed that a lot of people are very skittish about using it or making it accessible where people can actually give to their nonprofit using cryptocurrency. So maybe to start, I think it'd be good, Pat, if you just give us a quick overview from your point of view of cryptocurrency in general and why nonprofits should be much more engaged and educated about it. Definitely. Yeah, so you you said something in there that's important. So like long-term and sustainable, right? Like, like is this thing going to be sticking around? Like that's something that's kind of faded to the background, but we've, we've been doing this since 2018. So it used to be more common and it's definitely still out there. I would just say very similar to social media platforms. It's one of those things where, I mean, you can look at a TikTok, of course, but even Instagram, like Bitcoin is older than Instagram. At this point, I think it's a very similar calculus. Like to say that Instagram isn't worth investing any resources in would be silly at this point based on how many people use it and the tools that it offers to an organization when it comes to fundraising, building community. Crypto is at or beyond that level. And just in the fact that it's a it's a multi-trillion dollar asset class, you've got 95% of hedge funds now diversifying into it. You know, there's billions of dollars that have been donated to charities and the fastest growing user base with hundreds of millions of users worldwide. Is Bitcoin like what's going to upset the US dollar? I think sometimes people will take that out of context and be like, you know, if I'm not buying baseball tickets or like a hot dog at a ballpark with with Bitcoin, then it hasn't really arrived yet. 
And I would just say like the most important thing is like, can this benefit my organization? And the fact of the matter is like us as a company for us, we work with now like a little over 500 nonprofits building active fundraising programs who are successfully fundraising cryptocurrency specifically. So it's just one of those things where you you look at the the sector, whether or not people are donating it, whether or not nonprofits who get into it can do so easily and to an effective result. And then if the barrier to access to try that thing is low enough, then you should step in right now. That appears to be the case, as far as I can tell. And then the second part of your question, I guess, is like, what is this stuff? And in short, the reason why it has grown so much and why we think it's sustainable is it does a lot of things that other digital money can't do. So it replaced something or, or solves something called the double spend problem in short. And all that means is you can't double spend cryptocurrency. Every Bitcoin transaction that's ever happened has been reported on something called a blockchain. And since its advent in 2009, literally not one cryptocurrency transaction on the Bitcoin blockchain, for instance, has been altered or changed. And then you just look at the hundreds of billions of dollars in fines to you know governments and banks and people cooking the books. It solved that problem and allowed people to move you know billions of dollars in value across countries in a matter of seconds with a 0% chance that the contract isn't sending it where it's supposed to be or someone can claim they have something that they don't. So in terms of like the functionality of it, people are looking at it as a store of value sometimes. They're looking at it as like a stock market when they're trading into and out of it. And when it comes to transacting or like having something in your pocket that doesn't go down, they look at it as like a hedge against inflation. So if you could hold dollars that are constantly hyperinflating or Bitcoin that's gone up dramatically for the last five to 10 years, people are just making that choice more often. Okay. So are you at a place where you would say, it's actually a safer investment now, or is it just moving that direction because of what you said about the double spend prevention and some of the other things that uh, where people are putting into it, they're feeling a little bit more comfortable. Is it a safer way long-term? When you say safer, I guess you, in comparison to what would be my, my question. Uh, yeah. In comparison to, as you mentioned that the, they can't double spend. Yeah. There's three versions of safety on that. So one is safety in terms of like not receiving illicit funds. You know, is this a safe form of money to take? And then the other form is like, is it safe in the sense that will it go where it's supposed to be going? Like, is it a, a safe form of money that you can actually use the right way? And then the third one would be like, if you're investing in it, like if you're an organization putting money into crypto or say holding the cryptocurrency that people have donated to you, is it safe to sit your money there? For the first piece, for sure, right? Is it safe to accept? It depends on how you accept it. We use exchange accounts, we use market surveillance. It's as you know, regulated as a, a stock exchange, whatever else it, it might be. And it's about 10 times less likely that you receive illicit funds in crypto versus traditional funding. So we always say, like, if you're scared to take crypto through us, then you should be horrified of credit cards because that's just a fact <laughs> when it comes to fraud. <laughs> that's a good point. Just a comparison. That's right. Yeah. And then uh, the, the second piece there is like, is it safe to like move money around? This is an effective form of money. The answer is like, definitely. Yes, you can't alter transaction records versus the traditional financial system. They do that all the time. So in terms of like, is it a more effective form of money, cryptocurrencies? It's like, yeah, we will eventually have a version of, you know, cryptocurrency. It's proof of work, proof of stake, like whatever tech might be. It just works better than traditional money. You just need to have the same protections and everything else in place. And then finally, like, should you leave all of your money? Like, is it safe? Like, if I put money here, will it be up a year from now? It's like, it's crazy to, for, if anyone tells you the answer is yes, I think that's insane. All you can say is you look at the history and the amount of money going in. It's the best appreciating asset class of the last five years. It's the best appreciating asset class of the last 10 years. Dollars are being printed into hyperinflation. So I'd say like the one really dumb thing you can do with your money is just like leave it in US dollars because they're worth less by the day. And that will always be the case when it comes to should you have crypto or stocks or gold uh, bonds? How do you hedge against that? 
I think it's becoming more and more universal that crypto is a part of a reasonable portfolio to hedge against that inflation. Beyond that, it's, it's up to everyone's kind of investment strategies. No, that's good to know. Okay, so now talk about the giving block. Obviously, you're the co-founder of this. And here's for my listeners. The giving block is a business and corporation, I understand. It provides an ecosystem for nonprofits and charities to fundraise Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies and receive funds instantly and become part of this network of crypto media partners to support their missions. So I like it. It sounds like you are here for nonprofits to make it easier for people to give money to nonprofits, which every nonprofit leader wants to hear. So talk a little bit more about why you started it and what is the true benefit to nonprofits who are listening to this podcast? Yeah. Um, so yeah, both of those questions. So the there's two things that we do on both sides, the donor and the nonprofit side, which we think is like kind of different and unique also. For nonprofits, we're doing two things. One being making it really easy to take crypto. So we just have the best in class solution from a technical standpoint and then support and everything around it. Donors have questions, staff has questions. There's your gift acceptance policy. There's the integration on your page. There's search engine optimization, there's fundraising protocols. And it all starts with the tech, of course. So just having a good automated solution for converting to US dollars. It's the conversion expectations of the donors are being met. So it's low friction. You can automatically generate tax receipts. So is someone can send you crypto without you having to touch crypto or do anything fancy. It's just just like opening a bank account. That was the, the first innovation. And then the second thing we're doing, which our investors will say is not scalable, which I think we touched on like right before the call. But in, in short, we are better at fundraising crypto than anyone ever. And it's not even close. So when it comes to building an institutional program for like the blue chip charities, it's the American Cancer Society, Save the Children, United Way Worldwide. You, know, you just go all the way down the line. PETA, there's there's all these big nonprofits with like unlimited resources. They bring us in because we can fundraise crypto more effectively from a major gift standpoint. Individual giving, we run effective campaigns. We manage the corporate partnerships, everything up into like an ads program with the right keywords being targeted. Just like we're really good at fundraising crypto and because it's so hot right now, it makes sense to like invest resources and get ahead depending on how many resources or how much money you know you have as the charity. And then there's sort of, you know, smaller and mid-sized groups where like, we just want to take crypto, extract the headaches. That's kind of our entry point. And then programs grow with us as they go. So even smaller groups now are kind of scaling up and investing more time and energy. We're just kind of the, the right team to have by your side for that front. And then the, I guess the interesting piece of what we do is we're like really donor centric. It's like 50% of what we do has nothing to do with direct services delivered to clients. It's building a crypto philanthropy ecosystem on the donor side. So when it comes to donors giving crypto directly, trying to do NFT drops, you know, run uh, on uh, crypto exchanges, like trading fee competitions that all get donated to charities. It's like we build crypto philanthropy and crypto corporate philanthropy programs. We run the crypto giving pledge for the industry. We run Bitcoin Tuesday, the community campaign for the Giving Tuesday Foundation. Everything from that front just like gets donors or, or crypto users rather being philanthropic and being more effectively philanthropic. When it comes to you know companies and individuals giving their crypto to charities and harnessing that tax incentive, we go all in on that front. So we generate about 80% of the volume we process from the outside in versus just setting up a technical solution and clipping tickets. We've, we've just taken a much more proactive approach. Now, that's really fascinating. And I love hearing about this. Okay, so you're better at fundraising with crypto than anyone else right now. And I, we did talk about that a little bit before the show started. There's just not many people in the space because most people are not dedicated to the nonprofit sector when it comes to cryptocurrency. So congratulations to you. Now, what would you point to as a reason for your success? In other words, what is your secret sauce? Uh, <laughs> I guess inexhaustible entrepreneurial energy. It's just like my 
it, it, and I don't mean myself, I mean the team in general, we just took the approach of like that psycho energy that comes out of the, the crypto sector, where it's just like you have 19 year old Russians building multi-billion dollar investment platforms, like seemingly overnight, there's just so much energy in that sector and so much green grass, very similar to the early stages of the internet. Like if you want to live and breathe something right now, like in the crypto space, you you get somewhere first and you you set up shop and you really go all in on it. Like you can build a really sophisticated ecosystem for the ground up and like design categories, which is just something myself, my co-founder and our whole team are really invested in. So like the secret sauce for sure is just having spent thousands of hours trying to figure out the right way to do that from like a crypto fundraising standpoint. The the reason that happened is because we pretty much had a, a crossroads in the early days. We could either set up you know, a donor advice fund, which is also, I know you talked to, to Robbie at Endowment. It's like, he's doing that for, for ETH. I don't want to knock it. It's just not our angle. You can set up something like that. And you can equip all charities seemingly overnight to accept crypto when a donor decides they want to give that thing. Or you can create a business model that like activates charities where it's sort of like they're paying for a product and you're going all in on something from an individual nonprofit to nonprofit, like uh, crypto philanthropy, programmatic building standpoint. So we went with the latter. We, we tried to build kind of like an easy entry point for the average charity to take it. And charities could accept crypto, quote unquote, like on their site, but no one got any donations. It was just a really small ecosystem. So we decided to just go all in getting charities really good at being like, hey, we're here, you can donate crypto to us. And then getting all the donors or crypto users rather to like do something awesome philanthropic and bring them together. And that required us to create, you know, like a, a subscription model in short. It's just like if if charities want to pay us and help us build a team to do this really effectively, we're just going to keep showing up every day and getting better at program building for the charities and at like creating a larger donor pool for the charities to tap into. I love that. Okay. So let's talk about some brass tacks here. So, so people are listening and they're convinced they want to be able to accept cryptocurrency. Kind of talk through the process. Like how do they sign up for this? What does it look like? What are the fees involved? Uh, give us some brass tacks in terms of how this actually works if you work with a nonprofit. Yeah. Uh, the first thing is like, don't go too crazy on it to begin with. So look, we have tiered packages. So we have what's called basic, which is $2,500 a year where we set up charities to take crypto. And then like all of what we call our donor funnels, we build integrations on crypto exchanges. We run all of the campaigns and the programs. We create a lot of resources. We bring the nonprofits together for learning sessions. We talk to their teams and help them kick it off. And then also, of course, like the setup of their technical solution for taking crypto, the integration of that into their site, building a page for them on our platform. All of that stuff is just like, hey, you're trying to get your feet wet and you want to take crypto, no headaches. And if you want to like kind of start putting a little time and energy, then you can, you know, dip your toes in to get your feet wet. And then subscriptions go up from there. And that's just based on how much charities want to do from a crypto fundraising standpoint. So like most of our charities will start on basic and then, you know, they'll get their feet wet. They won't overinvest time and energy. They'll get some some cool results going. It becomes a, a successful fundraising pillar. And they're like, if we put more time into this, we think we could do more. And then they'll scale up and pretty much with each tier of that, our team invests more of our time and energy into building individualized crypto fundraising programs with them, helping them think about end of year more strategically, layer crypto and everything they do from a 360 lens and end fundraising standpoint. And then, you know, future-proofing it, thinking about like, how can we proactively get crypto sponsors, donors, get people taking the crypto giving pledge on our behalf, all, all of that stuff down the line, it'll, it'll scale up kind of with the packages as they go. No, very helpful. Okay, good. I'm hoping you're taking notes if you're listening to this. Now, okay, we mentioned this at the beginning, 
that there is a lot of skepticism still. And I think particularly maybe in the nonprofit world when it comes to philanthropy and, and just really making sure that whatever money comes our way, we want to be good stewards of that. So we want to make sure there's you know, whatever we invest in on a nonprofit level, that it has long-term sustainability, as we talked about before. And you gave a pretty good argument of why uh, cryptocurrency is here to stay and has some really built-in value to it. But maybe you bump into some nonprofit leaders that are just really resistant. They're very skeptical. They don't think it's reliable. How have you overcome people's skepticism in the past about these issues? Maybe you could talk to that. Yeah. They, I mean, the answer is they're right. It wouldn't be a reliable thing to put time and energy into and like build from scratch. It's like you also wouldn't build your own like Wi-Fi routers and stuff. Like, like it's a very unique uh, space to get into. It, it's, it's not just the donation method. We say it's a donor demographic. Um, it's one of those things where back in the day, you pretty much had donors who showed up out of nowhere every once in a while and they'd get $56 million in a day. And you'd be like, what is this? And you realize their tax offset gifts, but that's not like a, a, a pie that charities can get into. There aren't like fundraising days or, or programs like ways to get in. And then in terms of best practices and protocols, like you shouldn't be doing this in a vacuum. Like it's it's not like with credit cards where the donation method has nothing to do with it. It's just kind of the end of a checkpoint and everything else you do just comes down to you and your mission and donor communications. It's a completely new donor demo to tap into. So like the first thing I would say is that's why we exist because literally even so like a Save the Children for instance, United Way, Worldwide, American Cancer Society, like these are organizations that have the resources to figure things out. And there are ways to take cryptocurrency for free. And they have switched to us. We have over 90% market share in the, the nonprofit space. So we're the only one who charges subscriptions. So it's one of those things where, again, in the nonprofit space, you don't get a whole lot of people moving into the space just because there's not a business model. Like we created a business model and incentive to create consistent donation flow and create consistent strategies for charities to fundraise. So I'd say in short, if you're going to do it, that's kind of our whole pitch. Like a, a nonprofit can you know, spend 2,500 bucks over the course of a year, learn literally everything there is to know around fundraising crypto, participate in the biggest campaigns, search engine, optimize their page, whatever. And then a year from now, if they want to swap us out, they can put a free more or less crypto payment solution in there and no one does. You know, We, we have less than 1% attrition. And if we keep doing our job well, we always will everyone who joins us is successful. And like that's, I guess, what works. What I would say is if you're trying to figure it out from scratch, not everyone uses us. Like You definitely don't have to, but the risk is higher, not in terms of money, because we're the only one who charge subscriptions, but in terms of time wasted, which I know donors and nonprofits don't always look at. But like that's our whole kind of value prop. Like We would much rather have, like you're saying, consistent fundraising outcomes and strategies that work and like create a more robust, crypto philanthropy ecosystem from the donor side and have everyone kind of invested in it together with more consistent outcomes. However, you can definitely, you know, pop something up and take crypto for free if you're just trying to experiment with the tech. We'll be right back. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, I want to make sure you're aware of a whole group of other episodes with fascinating guests that I previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. There you'll find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country and even from different countries, all trying to make their world better. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. Now, finally, if you want to get my monthly email update that contains more resources in addition to these episodes, it's really easy. Just go to my website at nonprofitleadershippodcast.org and simply type your email address in the top right-hand box, 
and you will be added to our monthly email update. And this way, you'll never miss any of the interviews or extra content from this show. And if you have any questions or comments, do not hesitate to email me. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. Okay, good. No, it's very helpful. And I understand that you also provide tax reporting. Tell us more about what you provide nonprofits when it comes to the reporting aspect. And again, whether they're small or large nonprofits. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. It's this it's this dated kind of legacy thing that exists in crypto, but you have to get an appraisal if you donate crypto like at or above a certain level. So like they treat it like it's a painting, even though which I think also gives the impression that nonprofits are like, how do we really know what this stuff is worth or, or worth rather than you're, you're pretty much like, you know, there's trillions of dollars like in trading volume. Like it's uh, <laughs> Right, exactly though. People ask questions though. Yeah, like why do you have to yeah. do this then on the back end? Uh, but yeah, so so in short, you don't want to issue receipts where you say it's worth a certain amount in USD to the donor. Like it's up to them and their tax advisor to do that. If nonprofits get pinged by a donor, like they receive one of our automated tax receipts and they're like, we need to get an appraisal and like my accountant can't do this. Like we work with accounting firms and tax software companies that make that stuff super easy. So we provide that as a service, like post-gift, if a donor wants to come through. It almost never happens, snakely. Like you'd be surprised pretty easy for donors to get that done. But they got to pay for it, which is a pain in the butt. But that's neither here nor there. In short, they need a receipt that says like, hey, here's the nonprofit, they're 501c3, they're EIN, like everything you need to tell the IRS that you gave to a uh, like an actual charity. And then the units of the crypto, it pulls the transaction hash in from the blockchain. And the donor, even if they give, like they don't leave personal data through our platform, they can receive that tax receipt just by plugging in an email because we pair it once one with the wallet as they as they give. Okay, that's good. That was very helpful. Now I'm kind of curious. You mentioned that you know there's not a lot of money per se in the nonprofit sector when it comes to cryptocurrency because there's so much. This is such a new technology, and there's a lot of money to be had outside the nonprofit sector. What has motivated you to start this and really reach the nonprofit sector? Because that says a lot about you. That you maybe I don't know what's the the motivation for you. I guess at the end of the day. Yeah, it's not selfless. Like I, I, we never say it is. It's it's anything that is sort of obsessive. I say is selfish. So even if you get your your kicks from doing good, like there there's a, it makes it makes me feel good to like solve problems that bother me to no end. And then also like the actual missions of the nonprofits. Like anyone who works in the nonprofit sector, if they come from the poor, probably there's a reason they stay. You know, when people go in, as long as you work at a cool nonprofit, like it happens all the time. Because it feels good, you know, if, if you can make your living putting food into hungry kids' hands and like get clean water to communities and you can drive that more effectively, like that feels awesome. But at an even kind of higher level, what got us into it originally is myself, and my co-founder have, I was working at a nonprofit at the time. We both just really bonded over how angry it made us that there was such a lack of innovation in the nonprofit sector and that the incentive models were completely out of whack when it came to donor expectations for charities. And then donor and charity expectations for service providers. So it's like, it was our chief philosophical interest area that we would always just, if we're having drinks, we'd be discussing where it's like, it seems crazy that someone would, you know, if you buy a computer, let's say from like Apple, you wouldn't say, Hey, I'm going to give you this money, but like a hundred percent of this money better go into the computer I'm getting. Like you better not be paying people at desks, figuring out how to make better computers. And it's like in the nonprofit community from like a donor mindset, like that's exactly what it is. 
I love hearing your story. And I love the fact that you were part of a nonprofit at one time. So I was like on staff and thank you for, you know, wanting to help the nonprofit sector and, and add more innovation. I've had many people on the show that have talked about that. And I think you're right. And that's partly one of the many purposes of what I'm trying to do with this podcast is to get great ideas out there. And this, what you're doing is one of those great ideas to increase the innovation level of nonprofits. Because I 100% agree. And I think it's something that we need to continue to do. In fact, I think because there's so many changes as you, you see it all the time. You're on the front lines in many ways. If nonprofits don't open themselves up to all these different advances and, and changes and innovation, they're going to be left behind permanently. I think that's one of the things we've seen out of COVID is organizations that are not changing and are not nimble enough to adjust to the changing times around us. They're just not able to keep up, unfortunately. But um, okay, then let's back to cryptocurrency. What role do you see cryptocurrency playing for nonprofits when it comes to philanthropy as a whole? Like, for example, you've kind of said this already, but I want to ask it again. Is this something that today, if people are listening to this podcast, every nonprofit should be fully engaged with? Why or why not? Is cryptocurrency something they should invest with when it comes to their philanthropy strategy? Yeah. So every nonprofit, definitely not. It's one of those things where not only... Be, I mean, there are awesome ways to, again, accept crypto for free if you're just trying to experiment with it and get your feet wet before you're like... Especially for very small nonprofits, before like investing resources in a new thing. Like You definitely want to know kind of what's up, what you're getting into. So it's like, not that you have to like set two things up because that could be a pain, but like doing research, I guess is fine. I would say for very small nonprofits, there is a tendency sometimes to look at crypto as like a lottery ticket. And for those are like, you'll know who you are if you hear that sentence and you get like a little pang because you kind of get that that's what's happening. If you don't have a mobile optimized site, if you don't have like a social media presence that is effective, like if your calls to action aren't worked out, you don't have a good existing kind of end of year campaign as is it's like it's like set up your foundation but if you are a a stable organization like that is fundraising effectively in any way shape or form even on the small side and you've got even an intern who's full time on social then you can layer crypto in and you can drive additional fundraising outcomes it's just like you won't figure out fundraising via crypto like we had that especially in the early days we were just like trying to get any charity to fundraise crypto we would work with much smaller groups who were just like learning twitter through crypto. And it's like, that's not the way to do it. Like, because you can fundraise other things on Twitter too, of course. In short, if you have, yeah, any sort of a stable foundation as a nonprofit, you can fundraise effectively. You have an individual giving program, even if it's small, and a social media presence that's like even small but scrappy. Then crypto is a great way to boost engagement on social, to drive in a new audience, to drive up a new revenue pillar. But if you're not there, I'd say like, don't look for lottery tickets. Like, it's, it's the boring stuff that you should be focused on if you're really tiny. Like, just get your foundation set up, get good at being a nonprofit. And then additional payment methods, I think, should be your next step, not just crypto, but everything. Now, very helpful on that. And I wonder, as you look ahead uh, and say the next three to five years, what's your prediction when it comes to the percentage of a nonprofit's philanthropy that will come from cryptocurrency? What do you think three to five years from now, what percentage will that be? Yeah, we have a bunch of nonprofits now that that raise the majority. It's, It's not the norm, but like, that's already kind of happening, especially on the smaller mid-size end when groups get good at this. It can be like uniquely transformative. And then for the larger groups, they can just like American Cancer uh, tweeted, we have we take Doge now, like when we first listed that. And it was like their best performing tweet of all time. So it's like for the big ones, it's a no-brainer, it's an easy pillar. And then for smaller mid-size, like once you get the the tracks down and you layer it into everything, pretty kind of uh, low-hanging fruit, low friction stuff, 
it works as a really effective engine. But in short, like industry-wide adoption, like what can this thing cap out at? This year, we're looking to raise over $100 million for charity. We're like, well, on track to do that, like maybe even closer to two if we keep pushing the numbers up. We always raise more in the month of December than the rest of the year combined. And like this month, we're at a little over, I think, $8 million in donation volume. So like it's going up a lot. Next year, we're, we're on track to do well over a billion. So it's opening up and we're just, you know, we're one company. We are the epicenter for now. We're working very hard to continue that trajectory, but that'll scale up a lot over time. In short, pretty much two things need to happen. On the nonprofit side, it needs to become more widely set as an expectation. We're working on integrations with companies in the nonprofit space and on the crypto side, just making crypto giving a lot more kind of seamless and a part of everything. And then on the user side, the the institutional adoption and like the average users getting into it, there's hundreds of millions of users now. One, getting into trading and having crypto, and then two, understanding the tax incentive. Those two things are going to have to continue to ramp up. But as those things occur, I guess, in short, like there's no reason that non-cash assets, if stocks catch up to crypto in terms of ease of use, which hasn't really happened yet, they're not divisible and they're kind of hard to touch. But cryptocurrency also, as it becomes, you know, it's integrated to PayPal and everything else now. There's no reason that in the not too distant short term, non-cash assets offset or, or rather replace pretty much all credit card ACH wire payments just because it's so much less tax incentivized. Literally the only reason you wouldn't be giving cryptocurrency or stocks is because you don't know any better, or it's really hard to do it because you don't just get the write-off, but you pay no cap gain. So it's nonsensical to not donate this way so long as it's easy and available and prompted in payment systems. So we'll, we'll see how quickly that stuff happens. But in terms of the incentive model, it's the easiest form of money to send cryptocurrency. It's the most tax incentivized as the fastest growing user base. Like there's no reason it can't become like one of the dominant payment methods in the short term. And then eventually, unless stocks catch up from an ease of use standpoint, like the dominant payment method in the, in the nonprofit sector. That's really interesting. Okay, so I hope my listeners are leaning in there. That That's a pretty bold statement to uh, say, here's what the prediction will be in the future. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation, Pat. As I mentioned, this is our second installment, part two. We've had Robbie Heger from Endowment on the show. And now you, it's great to have two people that are really have put a ton of thought into this. And you really both are on the cutting edge of what you're doing uh, when it comes to cryptocurrency and nonprofits. So for my listeners, how can they find out more about you personally and more about the giving block? Yeah, there's there's not a lot to find out about me. Like the only thing I'd recommend people do is just like check us out, you know, on Twitter at the Giving Block, across social at the Giving Block, just to like stay up to date on the latest. We have a newsletter you can sign up for if you're just kind of getting your feet wet. If you're interested in actually understanding how the technical product works and like how it could fit in with your team, then book a demo. So it would just be thegivingblock.com, and then it's uh, you know accept crypto, book a demo is an option right there. And so on our team to walk you through and then the technical product, the automations, learn more about what you guys do and if it's a good fit. And then outside of that, I guess like if you are interested in taking crypto, the, the most important thing to recognize is like end of year is by far the biggest fundraising period. So like get your feet set now, even if it's not with us, whatever it might be, and like brace yourself for the month of December. If you're starting to get your feet wet, then you're going to be frustrated because then you'll get stuck in an 11 month period where it's still, again, we, we fundraise a lot every month, but the month of December is by far the biggest. So, so get your feet set, I guess. No, that's great. Well, again, Pat, thanks so much for sharing your insights. And I really do appreciate you putting time into the nonprofit sector and providing more innovation. I think we need more of that. So thanks for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Hey friends, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on both iTunes and Spotify. If you're wondering how to find it, just type in the words Nonprofit Leadership Podcast and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. 
give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast and your feedback will help expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as possible. You can also find other resources and interviews of past guests on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Again, that website is nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.